Shalom and welcome everybody to Brutal Planet right here on Yeshiva Radio. And for those who are to also at the same time go and find this teaching on our Vimeo or on our YouTube or, uh, you know, um, on our social media accounts so that it is that uh, you could actually see some of the things that we're talking about that is going to help you out a great deal. Okay. Now, just so people know, you know, you can go and find the podcast of this broadcast on your Apple device by typing in Brutal Planet into the free podcast app, and you could subscribe and never miss an episode. Now, one of the things that I'm going to say for individuals who are tuning into us for the very first time is that there is something that you have to realize is that, first of all, we try and help people that are all over every single uh, level of observance and every single level of understanding of the Bible, and we try and meet them where it is that we're at. Every single week, we go and we do uh, a collection of series. We do a series on the Torah portion each and every single week, which is about a midline. We go through a little bit of Tadashi Biape, a little bit of Rebbe Nachman, tie these concepts to the New Testament in terms of what it is that Nachman, the Baal Shem Tov, and several others say about uh, verses within that of the Parshish. And we tie the rabbinic concepts to that of the New Testament and what the words of the, our Messiah Yeshua, as well as the Apostle Paul, what it is that they end up saying, as well as the other authors of the New Testament. And we also go into a series for beginners as well that is on the Didache. Now what the Didache is, for those who don't know, is that it's almost like a tractate of Talmud for new believers. You know, we see in Acts that we have all these new believers, you know, going into the synagogues and all these things, and uh, they're wondering, what the heck do we do with these uh, Gentiles that are that are coming in here? And so what the disciples did is that we know from the Jerusalem Council is they said, you know, what we need to do is give them a starting place to start out with so that it is that they're not so overwhelmed and all these things. And so, you know, they, they go and they do that. Well, what Dedache is is further explanation from that of the disciples going and showing those things. Dedache is not scripture or anything of the sort. And then we also have another series that we do every week called The Garden of Peace that is uh, from the book written by that of Rabbi Shalom Arush. And through that series, what we're doing is we're helping people, doesn't matter if you're in Christianity, doesn't matter if you're in Messianic Judaism, whether it is you're like myself and you're a Lapid Jew, if it, it helps you with your marriage and it helps you with relationships, if it is that you're not married, maybe it is that you have a girlfriend, it is there to help you with those things, you know, and to be able to understand the will of Hashem, how it is that, you know, to walk with that of your wife or your girlfriend through that of your relationship and uh, to help you to understand why it is that she may react the way that it is that she does. And so, you know, we do several, you know, different series on several different things that are on different levels of understanding. And this one is going to be one of the more uh, advanced ones, as a matter of fact. One of the things I tend to do that you guys are very familiar with is that whenever I bring up concepts, you know, we're going to be talking about Zeranpin. I expect many of you guys to know by this point what Zeranpin is, so we're not going to be spending that much time on this, but we're going to be, uh, you know, not explaining some things that it is that a person who is at this level of understanding and of study should already know. But what we're going to do to help you out somewhat is to go and put um, up on the screen right now 
some of the terms that are going to be used in terms of sefirot. We'll speak briefly about what sefirot is, well, you know, and where it, where it comes from. And we're going to show you something that is just going to blow your mind and how it is that this relates to Yeshua, his death, his burial, his resurrection, and most notably, what happened to Yeshua on the cross. Okay? And so this is a teaching that I have not seen anybody else do. You know, as a matter of fact, I never see this concept of Zeranpin being talked about within that of the Messianic faith, the Hebrew roots, and not so much within that of uh, Lapid Judaism as either. So what we're going to do is we're going to start out a little bit with our visualization with something that each and every single one of you is indeed familiar with. Let us go to our board here. Now, there's a lot of debate within that of the Hebrew Roots movement, who has some issue with that of this symbol, this symbol that is very identifiable with that of Christianity. Many will try and say that it was not a cross, that it was a, a just a stake and all these other things. Some will even go as far to say, you know, it wasn't technically a cross, it was a stake with a cross beam, you know. Still a cross, either 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 way, whether you like it or not, you know. And so, you know, and and this is something that could easily be discounted by actually reading the crucifixion. But I'm going to show you how Jewish this symbol is in the realms of Kabbalah, and you really don't realize how much this uh, deals with Kabbalah. As a matter of fact, we're going to put something around this. This will be explained here very soon, and we're going to have a series of slides as well that go and pop up on the screen to kind of help you to show some of the things that it is that we are discussing in terms of this. Now, what we have around the cross here is something that is called sefirot. There's a lot of lines that go and a lot of points within the sefirot. We have keter. We have Mahut. We have Tiferet. We have Da'at. We have uh, Givur. We have Chesed. We have Chod. We have Netzach. We got several different points within that of the uh, Sefirot. Now, what now what the Sefirot is? Is ten dimensions. Whoa, what are we getting into here? Science fiction? It's very interesting because this this old ancient idea within that of Kabbalah from uh, Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai uh, during the time of the first century. Now, some people say that Moshe de Leon was the one who actually wrote the Zohar, founded Kabbalah, and all these things. Uh, this can easily be discounted by going and looking at the Hebrew and the Aramaic of that of the Zohar because we see that certain terms... Um, that were not used during the times of the first century, that were later words, were not within that of the Zohar. For instance, the word Tehiyah. This idea of Tehiyah, which is resurrection of the dead, 
is not found within that of the Zohar. But the concept of Techiyah is found several times. As a matter of fact, it even says that Mashiach ben Yosef died and rejected death. That's the way that it goes and renders the idea of Techiyah. Now, those who believe that it is that it is a later concept then go and attract themselves to the idea of Gilgul, which is re- which is uh, reincarnation, thinking that it's something different than Techiyah that we end up seeing within that of the Zohar. The Zohar goes and talks about Techiyah, but it doesn't use the word Techiyah. We find the word uh, Techiyah was a much later creation. However we do end up finding it within that of the Talmud. Now, certain portions of the Gemara section, as well as the Mishnah, are slightly after the time of that of Shimon Bar Yochai. Okay? And so, you know, it's understandable that, you know, around 70 CE, which is where we start to see this word pop up, we see concepts like in Avodot Zerah, where it says that a person who goes and tries to enunciate the divine name, or whether it is that they deny Techiyah, have no share within that of the world to come. And so, you know, these are things that we have to deal with. These are things that we have to deal with, is that some people will see Techiyah, some will see Gilgul. As believers in Yeshua the Mashiach, we believe in the concept of Techiyah. Okay? And so, one of the things that we're going to start with here are two quotations, as a matter of fact, from the Zohar. It says within the Zohar, Better is a neighbor that is near than a brother that is far off. This neighbor is the middle pillar of the Sephirot, which is the Son of God. Okay? We also see again in the Zohar, the middle pillar of the Godhead is, and there is an angel that has a divine name. This name is to not be rendered. Okay, now there's only two names, really, that we do not render in the Hebrew. The four-letter name of God, the Yod, the He, the Vav, the He. We don't try and enunciate it. And this particular angel, which is rather interesting... But it says about this angel, who has accomplished peace above according to the glorious state there. Now, one of the things that we all ultimately have in terms of the middle pillar is that everything from the middle pillar permeates from that of something known as Tiferet. Actually, that needs to be moved up a little bit here. I'm going to go and erase that because that would technically right there, that would be, that would technically right there be uh, Yesod, okay? Uh, Tiferet a little higher up. Okay? Everything comes out from here. This is the starting point of the middle pillar. Now, it's interesting because the Maharal of Prague says that a complete entity is made up of three parts. We have two opposite extremes. And then a middle pillar, a unified whole to bring them all together. He relates this in how it is that we pray. Elohai Avraham Avenu, Elohai Yitzhak, V'Elohai Yehov. He also relates this to three kinds of Torah law. Hukim, Mishpatim, and, and uh, Hukim, Mishpatim, and Mitzvos. 
He also, you know, well, actually, we can go and relate this to three categories of Torah law, which is Shebektav, Shebiape, Vichayim. Okay? And so we have that brings the Torah into a unified and perfect whole. We can also relate to Shema. Shema Yisrael, Adonai Elohenu, Adonai Echad, Baruch Shem Kivu, Bakutov Le'elam Vayed. Okay, so we, you know, we, we see all of these concepts in, in uh, the Bible within Semitic culture that it make up a unified whole. And so we have three pillars. Okay, let us go and separate these into three pillars here. So we go and we separate the Sefirot into three pillars. And we see that the cross is in the backdrop. You're sitting there wondering, why is the cross there? We're going to get to this. Don't you worry. Now, it's interesting because I had a conversation with a friend of mine, and let me go and bring up that conversation, because whenever you get two Jews in a room, you always end up having three opinions. <laughs> this is This is the state of Judaism. This is how... This is how things operate. Now, this friend of mine says, well, it is said that there are, that he was 33. And she's speaking of Eliyahu, Elijah, which is the amount of years he needed to perfect his neshama. Some rabbis quote the Ramchal about how the Gehenna's fire of purification, lake of consuming fire, is made by the sweat of the Malachim's labor. And that Eliyahu, being a laborer and perfecting in Gemalut Chassidim, uh, the, the whole right side. And technically, if we're looking at it, it'd be the right side, but technically it is the left side. For his people and weeping, as to note, the barley signifying the lowly humility, the hod, loaves miracle. Also, the perfecting of judgment, Gevura, of the offering in front of a, a, a Baal Hashem side, which would be one side of the Sephirot, that when he went up from heaven, his body burned up like fire and it didn't burn him in his Sephira. His Sephira went through the Omer from barley. Um, I can't explain it, but from my mind, uh, that's, that's a bit. I can't go uh, through the perfection of the Sephira in his life. But I have the study of the Omar, meaning the uh, meaning his blemish in the Sephira being nullified. Okay, so the thing about it though is that one thing that is taught through that of the Ramchal is that first of all, Eliyahu is in the mix, and that Eliyahu is Tiferet. Okay, the issue that we have here, however, with this concept is where is it that we have a unified whole between the right side and the left side of Sephirot? Now, in terms of the left side, we have Hashem, okay? On the right side, we have Ruach HaKodesh, the grammatically feminine attributes of God. So, these things seem to be diametrically opposed. But then it is that we have to go and end up finding where it is, that Tiferet, does it, is, does it go with the uh, halakha of that of the Zohar or the Ramchal? 
Now, the thing with the Ramchal is that the Ramchal was around before it is that Zohar became what it was that it was. Okay? The Ramchal was a very learned man. As a matter of fact, he actually learned from one of the very first Kabbalists. He said he learned Havot la Havot from Rabbeinu Bachia over a thousand times. Didn't say that he read it. It said that he learned it a thousand times. And so this is very interesting. This is very interesting. And so what it is that we are going to do now is we're going to fill in the blanks here with the middle pillar, realizing that everything stems out from that of Benah, or not Benah, but from that of uh, of uh, Tiferet. So a little bit further down here, we have Yesod. Down here at the bottom, we have Mahut. Up at the top, we have Keter. And right over here, we have Da'at. Okay? And so, these are things that are dealing with the attributes of the middle pillar. Now, our answer to these very things... We also have to really go and look at something else before it is that we jump into the scripture here. We're going to go through a lot of scripture, but we got uh, something that we got to jump into in terms of this concept within that of the Zohar in terms of a classification. Okay? There's another classification that it is that we have to look at. And it's a classification that pops up all around the Zohar. In several different places, several different places, does this uh, concept pop up, okay? And this is the concept known as Zir Anpin, okay? Now, first of all, let us see one of the things that is written about Zir Anpin. It says within that of Zohar Naso, 24, 172, it says, since it is written, and upon the likeness of the throne and the likeness of the appearance of a man above it, that we see in Yecheskel 126, the appearance of man, meaning the face of a man, that comprises all aspects, since the three faces of a lion, ox, eagle, are contained in man's countenance. That is from the aspect of Mahut within him since man encompasses Zir Anpin. And Mahut is also the appearance of a man as it includes the names because Zir Anpin is called yod heh He. That includes all the names. The appearance of a man, which are also sealed in the worlds above and below, since it is the secret meaning of the central column that we talked about a second ago, the middle pillar, that seals all the realms of the aspects of the first three sephirot of Mahut by diminishing the left column, so it should not illuminate except from below upwards. Also, the appearance of a man, that he includes the secrets that were expressed and established prior to the world's creation, meaning 
the seven kings of the formless world, even though they were destroyed and did not endure. Okay? Now, we see many interesting things here. Now, first of all, we have to say, what exactly is Zeranpin? Zeranpin is a classification that goes from here to here. And it encompasses all of these sephira right through here. It encompasses all of these. Okay? So, it's also very interesting that it says in the appearance of a man, and that the man is yod Hey vav Hey. Okay? Now, the thing about it, though, is that we've done many teachings on this premise of Yeshua being Hashem, that he is indeed Hashem. So therefore, with this and the Son of Hashem, what we are going to do is we're going to take Zerampin, the classifications of these over here, and we are going to combine them with the middle pillar. And we see that most sephirot are within this, uh, the parts that we shaded in here. There are other sephirot as well. Okay? And the other sephirot would be Chokmah and Banah. And they are over here. And these are the things that set the, that, that, that establish one pillar from the other. Because still at the same time, though it is that within the concepts of Zerampin, they are included within that of the concept of middle pillar. At the same time, they are also also mutually exclusive at the same time. That's hard to get. I understand. I understand. The, these two sides, the left and the right, can operate on their own. And they are to distinguish each other from one another, but yet they still work within that of a unified whole. And we get an indication of this within that of Shema, where it is that we see two different names for the name of God. We use the supplication of Adonai. We also say Elohenu as well. And every single time that we say one of those phrases, we are referring to God. And notice that we use the word Echad as opposed to Yachid. Okay? And so this is very important. Now, the concept of Zer Anpin... What exactly is Zerampin? What, what, why is, why are these things classified together? We see that, it, that Zerampin is indeed Hashem. We see that it is that Zerampin is, uh, you know, a part of also, you know, should encapsulate the middle pillar as well. It actually means the small face. The small face of God, also known as Zimsum. The constriction of God constricting him to Zerampin, the form of a man. What does any of this have to do with the cross? Let's go and draw the cross again. What does this have to do with this? It has a great deal to do with it. A great deal. And so what we're going to do now 
is we are actually going to go to the scripture. Okay? We're going to start out with the book of Matthew, chapter 27, verse 29. And reading this from the Aramaic English New Testament, it says this, And they wove a crown of thorns and put it on his head, symbolizing Keter, and the reed in his hand, symbolizing Chesed, while they bowed down, or in his right hand, which symbolized Chesed, and they bowed down upon their knees before him, and they were mocking him, saying, Peace, King of the Yehudins. Okay? Now, this is very interesting, because first of all, we see Keter, which symbolizes the crown of glory, placed upon the head of Yeshua, which relate to the middle pillar of the Sephirot. And then we see Chesed, symbolizing loving kindness. So let us go to our chart over here of the cross and look at where it is that Yeshua would have been placed over here with the crown and with that of um, the reed. Okay, why it is that it's talking about these body parts. Now the reed, I'm actually going to put off to the side here. The reason being is because the reed in his hand was not there with him on the cross. So, so far within that of just one verse, we have encapsulated one attribute of middle pillar, which is the son of Hashem. And we have one attribute of Zerampin. Okay? But let us go to another verse within that. This time, let us go to the book of Yohanan, the book of John. And it says within that of the book of John, but one of the soldiers struck his side with a spear, and blood and water completely came out. In terms of the side, we either have Hod or Netzach. And it depends upon which side it was to understand which one it would have been. Now with Hod, we would have glory. With Netzach, we have victory. Okay? So with that, here is where Hod and Netzach are. And so the thing about it though is that we could go and talk about, first of all, what exactly, you know, we, we, we could debate this all day long. This is, you know, you know, Agadad Midrashim. This is actually something that could be debated. There's, there's nobody that can actually say, oh yeah, it was definitely Hod or is definitely Netzach. We see that actually both would be applicable in this because with Hod, we see the glory of Mashiach throughout this, this whole thing, through that of the coming of the resurrection. Through Netzach, we have victory in the way of that of the annihilation of sin. So we have both within, within this. Now, we could work against it as well, saying, first of all, 
the prophecies in that of the Tanakh, as well as the prophecies within that of Torah Shebi'al say that it cannot be glory, because he would have to come, Mashiach ben Yosef, lowly and riding upon an ass. So therefore, technically, it cannot be glory because of the fact that through Mashiach ben David, we would get the other side, which would be Hod. What about Netzach? In terms of Netzach, the thing about those one could say, Mashiach was killed. So therefore, how in the world could it be victory? And so we have Midrashim that goes back and forth here. Now the thing about though is that it ultimately comes about from the vantage point. So what we're going to do is we're going to put marks on both sides here, saying that both are possible. So upon doing that, we can then go back to the scripture as well. And say, is there more? Yes, actually, there is more. Within the book of Yohanan, or John, chapter 20, verse 25, it says this, And the disciples told him, We have seen our master. But he said to them, Unless I see the places of the nails in his hands, symbolizing chesed and gevurah, and I place my fingers in them, and I stretch forth my hand in the in his side, which is either Hod or Netzach, <coughs> I will not believe. <coughs> so, we have over here, once again, on this side, we have Chesed. Then, over here on this side, we have Gevurah. Now, you're starting to see where these things are starting to come about here. Okay? Now, we got some... We, there, there, there's another very crucial point of the Sefirot here that it is that we got to think about, but we're going to get to that. But it's very interesting that we have both Chesed and Givura within that of the equation, upon that of the cross. And this right here, I would also say, is also exemplified in another place as well if we just did not get it that time. Within that of uh, the uh, Gospel of Matthew, what we see in chapter 27, verses 35 through 38, it says this, and when they had, And when they had nailed him to the stake, they divided his clothes by casting lots, and they were sitting watching him there, and they placed over his head the ring for his death in writing, and here they put on execution stakes with him two bandits, one on his right and one on his left. Okay? So we have this that we actually see within that of the picture of the slide there. We have two bandits on both sides. Now, it's very interesting that he tells one of them and not the other that they, that they will make their way to the Pardis, that he will see them in the Pardis. That's very, that's very interesting that it is that one of them 
is going to be a part of the Mahut, the kingdom. And so what we see here are is the differentiation between the one on the right and the one on the left, which again goes and tries to show us yet again Gevura and Chesed. Because with this, Yeshua was showing Chesed, saying that I will see you in the Elom Haba, that I will see you in the world to come. And so with this, this is exemplification in terms of the concepts found within that Asuka 52a, within that of the Talmud, where we have the premises of Mashiach ben Yosef and Mashiach ben David. One encapsulates Chesed, Mashiach ben Yosef, and one executes judgment, Mashiach ben David. And so what we see here is Yeshua basically exclaiming through this concept of talking to this other person that is on on the stake beside of him that he is exemplifying chesed. Thus, in many ways, making the proclamation that he is Mashiach ben Yosef who came before Mashiach ben David. Now, this premise is also very interesting because of the fact that we see that when Yeshua was at trial, they said, do you want us to release to you Yeshua HaNotzri? Or do you want us to uh, release to you Barabbah? Now, the thing that's interesting about Barabbah is that Barabbah was a religious zealot. He was a guy that wanted to overthrow the Romans. There's a lot written in Torah Shebi al in terms of a particular individual named Barabbah. And it very well could have been the same guy because he was around around the same time and he was arrested by the Romans. And the thing with it is that we see that many of the people, because we were under Roman occupation in the land of Israel, many people, people were saying, we want Mashiach ben David first, as opposed to Mashiach ben Yosef. They were counting on Mashiach ben Yosef. As a matter of fact, within Hasidus today, many who don't believe that Yeshua is indeed Mashiach are still waiting for the first coming to be Mashiach ben David. That it is that he's going to save us from all of these things that are going on with the external, then he's going to work on the internal. But the fact is that within that of the Torah, and most notably the Zohar, it goes and tells us that first of all, that we have two cherubim that are on top of the uh, that are on top of the Yakidah. That these two cherub are facing one another, and then within Second Chronicles, chapter three, verse thirteen, one of them's turned its back <coughs> on the other, symbolizing the people turning their backs upon that. Of God the Father. Menachel Mendel Schneerson, the Levavitcher Rebbe, as a matter of fact, goes and says that first of all, we have to merit the coming of Mashiach. We have to merit this. We have to merit it by doing Shabbos, by, you know, engaging in Gemalut Chasidim. That this is how it is that we merit Mashiach and we will Mashiach to come. So therefore, do we have it both ways? Yeah. And so what ultimately ended up happening is we see that the concept of Gevorah was not to come first. Yeshua was showing this by going and proclaiming that the uh, that the bandit would be seen in the Yolom Haba. But then it is that we can go back to the Ketuvim as well because we see we have some more instances here. It says, For the Kelavim have surrounded me. 
the Yadat Merim have enclosed the Ka'aru Yadai Viragile. They pierced my hands and my feet. In Psalms chapter 22, verse 16, some Bibles chapter or verse 17. This is reading from the Orthodox Jewish Bible. So then we have the concept of Malchut. Now let's think on this. Where was it that Mashiach was pierced? Machut, Gevura, Chesed. Where was it that he was stabbed? It was either within that of Hod or Netzach. The crown of thorns was placed upon Keter. Okay? And so through this entire thing, throughout this entire account of Yeshua up there on the cross, we see this Kabbalistic concept of Zir Anpin as well as the middle pillar of the Sephirot all combined into one. We also find very interesting Halakha through this as well. Within that of the Kabbalah, it tells us that there are 32 Zadikim alive in the world at any given time. 32 Zadikim. Why does it say 32? Because there's 22 letters within that of the Aleph base. There are 10 points within that of Sefirot. The Baal Shem Tov says that these 32 all contain the spark of Mashiach. And so with this, I sit there and I think to myself, I say, you know what? And I've said this before, even before coming to this conclusion. I said, I have known two Siddiquim in my life. Two Siddiquim. The funny thing is that within that of the words of Chazel, and this plays into my Garden of Peace teachings, that women are hidden Siddiquim. And it's very interesting. Many of you know about my fiancé who passed away from cancer. Let me tell you what kind of Sadiq she was. I was the only other man that she ever kissed other than her late husband. She dated him all throughout high school. She dated him all throughout college. She never kissed another man other than me. She never did drugs. Never would say anything about it. Anybody who came in contact with her loved her. I mean, everybody said, this is just the most incredible human being I've ever met in my life. She spent her time going and helping others, helping out with the Make-A-Wish Foundation. She worked as a teacher for special needs children. This is the person that it is that she was. This is the woman that she was. She was a Sadiq. She would call me up in the middle of the night when I was young in my walk and uh, I was having, you know, I was, you know, in a bad mood. And she would feel it. She would call me and say, whatever it is you're doing, you need to stop. She was my hidden Zodic. The thing about it, though, is that with Tamara, she had to encapsulate Zerampine. Da'at, 
She had an IQ 10 points higher than mine. Mine's 154. Tiferet. She, though Tiferet goes and translates to beauty, it also is that refined beauty that is from within. She had that. Chesed. She would always practice loving kindness in every single aspect. And she received Givora. The arms stretched out like Yeshua on the cross. Nails on both hands. Chesed and Givora are tied together. They're a direct parallel to one another. You can stop on the way of Da'at or you can stop on the way of that of Tiferet to get to the other. People vary. People are different, have a nishmat chaim. But the thing that you will find with those that you meet that have the spark of Mashiach are going to exemplify the things found within that of the Zohar, of the arm stretched out. They are going to practice and be a part of chesed. They are going to exemplify chesed. But also, at the same time, they are going to receive gevura. This is one of the things that is a reminder to us about Mashiach ben Yosef, Mashiach ben David, the other Zadik that I had met in my life was actually somebody that I um, sadly haven't spoken to in the past month. Um, another woman, as a matter of fact, that I, two women I've fallen in love with, only two that have been Zadikim. <laughs> Same thing. I don't have the permission to go and talk about with all the things that it is that she's been through in her life. But we see that she had been through a lot of givura, a lot of judgment. She, practice, she practices chesed. She encapsulates the at and tiferet. As well as through her actions exemplifying chod, as well as netzach. The sparks of Mashiach, and wanting to follow Mashiach require us to encapsulate the attributes of Zerampin. The concepts of Tiferet, Da'at, Chesed, we have to allow ourselves to go through Gevorah, Chod, Netzach, but it must be Lishma Hashem as opposed to the for the sake of self. It cannot be even be Lishma Hatarah. Cannot be for its sake. Must be for Lishma Hashem. This idea of Yeshua on the cross coupled with Techiah is something that is such a powerful message that we miss 90% of what is actually going on here. 90% of it. 
because we read it like a novel. We say that's horrible. What's 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 happening? What's the spiritual significance of it? The spiritual significance of it is within that of the Kabbalah. It's within trying to make that connection with Mashiach. And the things that it is that he went through, sometimes we don't ask to be attributed to those things. But, however, at the same time, the Sadiqim will merit Givura. But the thing about it, though, is that the Sadiqim will have a lofty place in the Alom Haba. And so they welcome Givura. As it is that Rav Shaul, the Apostle Paul, goes and says within that of one of his letters to the Corinthians, he gives a laundry list of all the things that he's been through, and he says, but you know what? I say Baruch Hashem. Say Baruch Hashem. Praise Hashem. He understood that within Tractate Sotah, that it says if we go 40 days or 40 nights without Givura, then we may have lost our share in the world to come. We may have lost our share there. And so the thing is that these things are all tied together with the sparks of Mashiach and through the message of why it is that Yeshua was up on a cross. Ladies and gentlemen, I hope and I pray that this teaching has been a blessing to you and this gave you you know, greater insight into something that we tend to, for some reason, whenever it is we start observing Torah and pursuing Torah, we somehow, for some reason, think that the most simplest of concepts, that is actually very complicated, that it is, okay, we know the message, you know, let's just not worry so much about that. But we see not only does it go and show us and reveal us more about Mashiach, but it also goes and reveals and shows us a great deal about ourselves, a great deal about our application. Ladies and gentlemen, I hope and I pray this teaching has been a blessing to you. I really hope it has. And I want to wish each and every single one of you shalom bracha, peace and a blessing. Shalom. So you want to learn Hebrew or Aramaic or maybe both? Make sure to check out HebrewAndAramaic.com. All three of the instructors on the website have accredited Moray licenses to teach the languages that they teach on the website. You can take the lessons on your very own time, and they even have a Roku channel so you can learn from the comfort of your very own couch. With over 200 videos going step-by-step -step through the languages and all the various scripts and over 100 PDFs of exercises and quizzes, this is the most thorough set of lessons that you'll find anywhere on the languages of the Tanakh and the Brit Hadashah. So visit HebrewAndAramaic.com today and sign up for only $15 a month.